Hey guys, Travis Greenlee with Epic Man Radio, rattling the cage and reigniting the fire. So imagine spending your life's work building a $10 million toy company to have it all vanish in a matter of months. Then to pick yourself up, dust yourself off, and to reinvent yourself to becoming one of the top paid and most respected executive coaches in the world. Listen in to hear Hall of Fame executive coach Steve Lashansky in this episode of Epic Men Radio. Rattling the cage and reigniting the fire. You're listening to Epic Men Radio. All right, guys. Hey, welcome to Epic Men Radio. And in today's episode, we're joined by best-selling author Steve Lashansky. Steve is a highly sought-after keynote speaker and Hall of Fame executive coach, expert facilitator for creating sales excellence and strategic alignment of leadership teams. As a trusted advisor to senior leaders and high-potential executives for more than 24 years, Steve brings a unique professional focus on optimizing leaders, executive teams, and top sales effectiveness, performance, and results. Steve, it is an absolute pleasure and an honor to have you with us, my friend. Well, the pleasure and honor is mine, Travis. It's great to be with you. Right on, brother. So, so let's jump right into it. You know, I know you've had just an extensive career. I mean, 24 years in this game is a long, long time. And, and I can only imagine the stories that you can tell from the ups <laughs> and the downs and the twists and the turns of, of your clients' lives. So, so let's backtrack just a little bit. Let's learn a little bit more about you in terms of your path and how you started and, and the different twists and the turns that you've experienced personally to get to the place of where you are today. Well, let's remember something. I mean, this 24 years I've been doing this coaching, consulting, transformation of leadership and organizations follows an 18-year career where I was running gift and toy companies, where we were creating and marketing products. So that was a journey, and I fell into it. You know, people say, you know, I talk all the time. Could you imagine you are where you are 20 years ago? I mean, it's hard to do that 10 years ago. Right. So when I started, I was just, I love dealing with people. I was really good at sales. Uh, and I fell into being a sales rep. You know, I just got an opportunity to do that. It's a funny and hilarious story how it all started. But, you know, the reality of it is, you know, I, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I mean, that's so much of what happened. I didn't know what I wanted to do. Give me an opportunity to talk to people, make money doing it, having fun. Uh, you know, my last toy company before I started doing this was called So Much Fun Incorporated. We built it from <laughs> zero to $10 million before Whoa. it blew up. Oh. Literally, you know, in the middle of a credit crisis in 1991 here in New England, where the second largest bank went out of business. And we were growing 50% a year, but the bank we were dealing with had all these 5A clients on the street and they pulled our loan. Totally secured loan, but they pulled it. You know, I had $2 million outstanding with them and they basically put us out of business. Unbelievable. I had an opportunity. You know, that was the time. You know, the funny thing was I'd been getting the message, get out of the toy business. Mm. And uh, I hadn't listened. You know, I thought I'd just sell my company for a few million. No, nah, actually just disappeared. So my first client was a friend in the business, helped him turn around from bankrupt, uh, eventually helped him sell his company in three years for 10 million bucks. But, uh, you know, got him into Walmart, got him into Kmart, got him all over the major retailers of the time. And he said, come to San Francisco, my favorite city, and I'll give you half the company. I mean, you, you know, it's obvious you'll make a lot of money. 
And I, I really had to think about that. And that was the first time I made a conscious choice. I said, I'm not willing to go up another three or four years of my life to do something because I've got an opportunity to make money. And I literally set up a seminar and started doing this work. This is what I'd always dreamed about. I'd talked about to the point where my friend said, tell us when you do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. So here I was making a conscious choice for the first time in my life. You know, it was 24 years ago. You know, I'll tell you, the gift of it was I got to study with a lot of amazing people. During that time, I became one of Tony Robbins' senior trainers. Mm-hmm. Uh, during that time, I mean, my business partner, my mentor was a guy who had built from scratch a $1.6 billion business. You know, I was importing toys from Japan, so I needed cash, you know, letters of credit. You know, in 10 months, I had raised $300,000 back in the, you know, we're talking the 80s now. That was real money back then. Right. <laughs> And uh, in 10 months, $300,000 in family and friends. My, one of my dearest friends said, go talk to my dad. He does this all the time. The guy liked me, said, I'm going to be your business partner. I'm going to raise some money for you. In eight days, he had a million four with eight phone calls. He wow. said, one guy asked for more information. He said, I'm too busy. The other seven cent checks. <laughs> and for three years, he educated me as to what it took to run a 32 division company doing a billion six with a corporate staff of seven people before computers. Unbelievable. And, and it was amazing. He built this from nothing as the CEO. The guy never went to college. <laughs> I mean, it was just an extraordinary case of being mentored, which kind of turned me on. I already knew about mentoring and coaching. I mean, it's just brilliant what can happen when you find the right one. He was one of the right ones for me. Tony Robbins was another one of the right ones mm-hmm. for me. Mm-hmm. And you know, my life's been really guided by the great masters, not just good people, but the masters I've had the opportunity to study with. And so finally it was time for conscious choice. And this has been my conscious choice and total delight for the last 24 years. And it's still learning all the time, you know, sure. You know, our, our clients pay us to learn, you know, we're bringing them our knowledge and then we help to learn more from them. Awesome. Awesome. What a career from the, from the toy business to executive coaching and sales training. And again, I know you've got a couple of best-selling books out there, the ultimate right. sales revolution. You've got your right. business optimized international and just, again, just crushing it in this space. So I'm curious, you know, when you went through some of this breakdown, I mean, oh my gosh, to build a $10 million company, which is the dream for so many of us. I mean, right. to be able to have that freedom and that flexibility. And you just think of the lifestyle that it create and then to see all that turn around so quickly let's talk just yeah I mean it just vanish right I mean so how does that affect you I mean how do you get through something like that mentally and emotionally and you know how do you move on from something like that you know it's really interesting Uh, I think the biggest single lesson in all of that is you got to follow your passion all the time you know on one hand I had a great business I was making money it's a great lifestyle I really kind of enjoyed it I always say on a one to ten scale it was a seven Mm. you know that's not bad it's not great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and all of a sudden I had the opportunity, you know, it was really touching at one point, my son who was young when that happened, you know, about 15 years later said, dad, I was amazed how you got through that. I mean, that's devastating. And I said, Dave, you know, the only way to lose is to give up. And for me, it's like, okay, something's been taken away. There's a lesson in that. First of all, the lesson is to follow my guidance. I was told to get out of that business, sell the company. You know, my inner guidance told me that. Yeah. I decided to follow it rather than follow the money to San Francisco, which would have been a treat in a certain way too. So I think the biggest lesson is pay attention, you know, yeah. pay attention and inner guidance. And for me, it's been the singular thing that's led me to the right people. It's led me to the right clients. 
it's led me to the right place in life that I really want to be the right, you know, the right wife, uh, you know, mm-hmm. really understanding how to raise my kids in the best way. I mean, really thoughtfully and, you know, have some real key principles. Mm-hmm. So I think that how do I get through it? I think you start to say, okay, what do I need to learn and what do I need to focus on? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't call it easy, but I call it powerful. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that's one of the most important lessons we've got to have is you've got to follow that inner guide. You've got to find it and follow it. Right. Yeah. I love it. And it's yeah, and not easy to do, as you say. Sometimes when you're just in the pain and it's the right. darkest place, right? When you're, you're dealing with maybe a loss of confidence and a loss of direction and a right. loss of clarity, you know, like you're saying. Is loss of the, cash. Loss of cash flow. <laughs> Ouch, right? You know, when you got people counting on you, you got know, kids to wife, feed, you know, kids right. to feed your yeah. spouse yeah. and all these things. So climbing out of that dark hole, I think this is a recurring theme and really a thread for most guys within our tribe is, you know, we're, we're of a certain age, you know, in our mid fifties and we've, we've had things, we've made money, we've lost money, we've had the twists and the turns. And there's really a choice because we've all had dark times and it's climbing out of that dark time and climbing out of that hole and being able to focus on what you want versus what you fear. So how'd you do that? I mean, what, maybe some specific things. I mean, was it, was it meditation? Was it, well, you started you what, running? What, what'd you do? You know what it was for me? It was meditation. I mean, and the messages I were getting were in meditation. I mean, the great blessing in my life is to have been a meditator for 40 years here now, you know, starting very young. Mm-hmm. I don't know where I'd be without that. I mean, just to have that centered. A lot of my clients talk about that. It's crazy here. It's wild. How do you stay calm? So, you know, 40 years of meditation helps. Uh, but it's also, you know, there's something else. I mean, one of my great lessons in the midst of this horrible situation, which we felt was massively unfair, irresponsible on their part. Mm. We had built a great company. It was profitable. It was painful for the bank. We were growing so fast. We had strange collateral. But, you know, the great lesson I took away from it, count your blessings. I mean, it's the single thing that I think has helped me refocus every time. Because I think that we all have the opportunity to be open to guidance of all kinds. I mean, whatever it is for you. I mean, sometimes it's a mentor in the flesh. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's, uh, you know, a little guidance from inside. Sometimes who knows where it's coming from. But, you know, the point of it is, is that count your blessings. I had three amazing kids. I still had a, you know, great house to live in. I had a hustle to get it paid for. But, uh, you know, you start to look at I'm healthy. You know, I've been healthy my entire life. Never had a problem. And you look around and start to say, you know, I wish I had that. I wish I had this. And I find the single thing, and I've taught my kids from an early age because they were young when this happened, you know, count your blessings. Every day, count your blessings. And I think that it's building on strengths has been one of my messages to my clients. And, uh, you know, as I always say, I'd rather be an example than an explanation. (laughs) But, (laughs) you you know, I really practice that myself. And the more I practice, the stronger it gets. And there are always moments of challenge. You know, when you're an entrepreneur, I've been an entrepreneur my entire life. Uh, You know, there are moments when, okay, what's the cash flow this month? Eh, That's not that very good. Mm -hmm. And, you know, count the blessings. Listen, uh, I had a great month last month. You know, I've got everything I need to continue to grow this. Um, I think it's probably the one message, two things I taught my kids. Um, number one, take full responsibility for everything in your life from an early age. You want to make a decision, you're 10 years old, go ahead and make the decision, you're responsible. I'm not going to let you do anything that's going to kill you or hurt you badly, but go ahead and take responsibility and then count your blessings. 
take a risk, right? Yeah. Put yourself out there, listen to the gut, having a clear head. So you're trusting, you know, being able to connect to that source and being centered through meditation and through these types of things that they get us clear headed and it got you clear headed and then being able to take a risk and then not look back. You know, sometimes they work out, sometimes they don't, but yeah. trusting yourself and God, the universe, whatever it might be, right. but just having right. that sense of trust. Right. You know, but trusting something really substantive, I mean, it's really worked to maintain that connection mm. and to really always wonder, is that my chatter of the mind, the monkey mind, so to speak, or is that really kind of the inner guidance? And for me, there's always, you know, the funny thing, I've had about six decisions in my life that were critical and it's like a bell went off. Mm -hmm. I know follow that bell, uh, but I, that's like six times in my life and we're making mm -hmm. decisions every day. So, you know, it's always trying to find as close as you can to those bell ringing decisions. Yep. And it's practice. It's practice. I mean, even today, you know, I make my share of bad decisions. I just try and correct them faster. Right. Right. <laughs> Except fail forward, right? And fail, fail forward, fail faster, <laughs> but also recognize it and change it. You know, I mean, that's the great thing I think you learn after a lot of experience is that we have the opportunity to say, hmm, this isn't going where I want it to go. Let's do something different. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's hard, you know, you get into the habit patterns, worst things I think we deal with is like that was comfortable. That was a good habit. You know, I love getting out of the comfort zone. Uh, sometimes it's that first step that's hard that we don't mm -hmm. enjoy. It's like putting your foot in cold water. Mm -hmm. but I'll tell you what, once you get in there, it's fabulous. Something new, something great. And, uh, you know, I always challenge myself. I mean, it's really, I love challenge. Well, a great thing for me is most people I deal with love challenge too. Sure. And when you really embrace those really important values, you know, love and connection, challenge and creativity, it's like, okay, am I going to live that or not? Mm. And, uh, you know, I wish I could say, I can't say it's a hard path. I, don't, I wouldn't call it easy, but I'm not sure we're looking for easy. Right. You know, right. I, I think, you know, as we get older, the nice thing is, you know, I always lamented my parents weren't rich. I mean, everything I did, I earned. Mm. And I'm going, I would have been a useless bum if they had handed me money. Right. You know, and yep. it's such a gift to recognize that, you know, I've made this on my own. I've met a lot of very wealthy people who have no self-esteem. Mm. So they have no idea what they can do. Life was easy and comfortable. And I think life needs to be an adventure and a commitment to whatever it is that we're here for. And I, I know I found my path. You know, I was wandering around. I learned a lot. I think that's part of the rationale for those years of running those businesses. Mm -hmm. I learned so much that I can now share with my clients. You know, having mm -hmm. been a CEO, the fact that I ran a $10 million company, I still understood what it was like to sit in that leader's seat. So even though my guys might be running a $5 billion company, I understand the dynamics and the responsibilities and the care that goes into being a leader of people. Right. And I think it's so helpful. Awesome. It's the, I love the whole, like the, the three is leadership. It's the, the humble, the hungry and the hustle. Right. <laughs> I love that. That's great. I, that's really great. You I know? always had my three C's of leadership. It's clarity, it's candor and it's courage. You know, are we clear about where we're going? Do we have the courage to be honest with ourselves and our people? Yep. Yeah. Awesome. So let's talk about the other side. Obviously, you know, we've, we've all had the challenges. You had the challenges. I mean, building a $10 million company and then whoosh, having advantage and then climbing out of that hole and then learning through that challenge. How about on the other side of that? How about, and again, I know you've had many, many successes over the years, but if you could pinpoint maybe the top success 
that you had. What was that? And what did you learn from that experience? You know, that's such a good question. We start to say the one. I think the single greatest thing I learned is that you can always keep going. Mm. I mean, when it was good, I could always make it better. When it was horrible, I could make it better. Um, it's good now. I'm doing the best work of my life, of my whole career now, you know, mm. and uh, it can be better. And uh, just, I think the singular thing for me as the teachers I've had, if you say one thing that really made a difference in my life, I'm going to point to one thing, you mm -hmm. know, the really true masters that I've dealt with. And I'm not talking about people who are great. I'm talking about people who were really changing the game in their field. And I've had the opportunity to be with a lot of them seriously. I mean, just for extended periods of time for me, having those teachers that real masters of their profession um, was probably the single greatest thing for me because it also got me in touch with what do I have? I mean, I've learned these things. Okay, what am I bringing to it? I'm not just going to be repeating what I learned from you, from the next person, from my favorite teacher. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, the lesson from them is from their teachers, from their experience, they found something that was unique to them. Mm. And I think having been with these incredible people, they didn't want you to do what they did. They wanted to use their lessons to help you find what was special about you. So I think that's really, for me, if there's one thing that's changed my life, one single thing, it's those great masters. I've had the great opportunity to be studying seriously with many for many, many years. Right. I love it. And to be honest with you, that's one of the things I love so much about you. And I think, you know, as we connected and got to know each other over the last couple of years is you're so humble. You're so open to learning and to growing and to being mentored and to be able to follow advice from people that you trust and that you respect. And it's, you know, it's unique. You know, not everybody's in that place, especially guys. You know, a lot of times we feel like, hey, we've got it covered. We've got it handled. We don't need coaching or we don't need advice. I've got it all figured out. It's, wow. it's like driving down the freeway, right? And not asking for directions when we know we should ask for directions. And then we spend two hours driving in circles and our wife is looking at us like, you should ask for directions. I mean, how many times have we been there, right? But you know something? Here's, here's the great lesson for me. I've also had the chance to coach and mentor some extraordinary people. And the axiom I created out of this, it's always the best who are most committed to being better. My favorite clients, my greatest clients, they were superstars when I met them. My first major corporate client, Fortune 500, my biggest company I dealt with was a $20 million company as a client. All of a sudden, I'm in a, a group where their division had a $180 million budget. Wow. And this guy's running the show with 450 people. You know, I had 48 when I ran my company. And, uh, you know, he said, I said, what are you trying to accomplish? He said, listen, we're successful now, and I don't know exactly why, and I want to figure it out before we're not. And mm. I said, that's flipping brilliant. Yep. And those are the guys, and I spent seven years with him. He was phenomenal. Absolutely. You know, ended up, they got bought by a company four times, five times their size. They mm -hmm. were $4 billion. Mm -hmm. And uh, he became the CIO of the bigger company. Everybody would know the name of that company. It's a Fortune 50. And uh, why? Because everybody loved him and they respected him. And in fact, as the CIO, he won the award for most outstanding customer satisfaction in the enterprise for the IT group in a Fortune 500. Nobody ever heard that before. Most CIOs are, are despised by their people because, you know, the way they do business, this guy became CIO of the larger company. Really amazing. But he was an extraordinary human being. And, you know, the great lesson is he wanted as much as he could get.
Mm-hmm. You know, I'm with another one of my favorite people, CEO of a major organization, the largest organization of its kind in the United States. And he said, and I've worked with him for 12 years on retainer. And he said, I don't care. He publicly said this one time, I don't care who you are, how old you are, what position you have, you can always get better. Mm-hmm. These are the people that you really love. And then you got the turkeys who say, what do I need you for? I'm making a million dollars a year. I'm a EVP of this company. I'm in a fat city. Those mm-hmm. are the guys who will have problems at some point. That won't last with an attitude like that, will it? You know, part of it's humility that we can always learn. I, I tell you, I absorb more now, I think, than I ever did because mm-hmm. I have such a broader base of knowledge. And I think the thing for all of us, the better we are, the more we know how much there is to know. <laughs> ah, that is so key right there. Say that again. That is so well, key. Listen, the older we are, the more mature we are, the better we are, the more we know there is to know. Ah, genius. That's a nugget right there, guys. Pull that one out. Write that one down right there. Ah, well, ah. It's always the best. You know, Hussein Bolt, gold medal in the 100, 200 meters in the Olympics, two Olympics in a row, never been done before. Mm-hmm. He's coming back for a third. Who do you think's working harder than him? Right. I don't think anybody. Nobody. And, you know, you look at the champion, the guy who's willing to put that extra bit of work in, and everybody around the world knows who Hussein Bolt is, who came in second in the Olympics, <laughs> the second fastest man in the world. We barely remember his name. Mm-hmm. You know, so the difference between the ultimate best and the guys who are really outstanding is huge. Mm. You know, that little, and it's by hundredths of a second. Right. You know, right. and this is the thing I keep telling people. It's that extra effort, that extra level of commitment, that willingness to say, I'm damn good. I can be much better mm-hmm. is what makes the difference for us. And for me, it's been sort of a guiding light. I mean, I tell my kids, I learn from them. Mm-hmm. Oh, dad, you know, we learn so much. From you. Yeah, listen, we're all learning. All right. I'm not done. You're not done. You know? and, and that's the joy and that's the passage. I mean, that's the juice, right? That just keeps oh, us going. It keeps us rolling. So let's shift our focus just a little bit because, again, I know you've got such an amazing thing going in terms of the movement around the whole ultimate sales revolution and what you're doing for entrepreneurs and what you're doing for key sales executives and teams and so on and so forth. You've got your best-selling book now. You've got your info products, your home study course, your training programs. You're speaking all around the country. I mean, you're, you're crushing it with all of this and this whole message around it. So tell us a little bit about that, the ultimate sales revolution. What's this all about? And how are you serving yeah. your clients with this? Well, you know, for so many years, and if you look in the book, so many of the testimonials are CEOs and CIOs, because I was talking about this. My approach for anybody, we're all in sales. If we take sales as the art of influence, as the art of communication, and most importantly, as the art of creating value for other people. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is what the turning point was. I was talking to John Gray. I mean, literally, he's a critical in this guy who's, you know, sold 50 million books and men are from Mars, women are from Venus guy. Mm-hmm. And I'm explaining what I do. And he says to me, he said, it sounds like sales. I said, it's sales, but it's for people who never call themselves salespeople. He said, then write the book about sales. So when a guy who sold 50 million books says, write the book about sales, you think, okay, maybe that's a good idea. Right. <laughs> uh, because it's really a different approach to sales. And I've asked this question all over the world from thousands of people in more than 40 countries, I said, if sales is a relationship, nobody disagrees with that. What's the universal driving force of the most effective relationship? And what do people say? They say trust, respect, openness, communication, caring, listening, 
understanding. And I say, those are all good. Have you had those and it didn't work? And they go, of course, yes. Mm -hmm. That's what I'd say. The driving force, the universal driving force of the best relationships is the amount of value that you create in the relationship. More value, better relationship. Mm. And that's what John Gray said to me. He said, you need to write about that. Mm -hmm. And that's what the book's about. So it's really fundamentally not even about sales, me selling you, you selling me. It's about how do we enhance our ability to multiply our capacity together by adding value to each other. I mean, you and I, I know, you know, one of the things that I love about getting connected with you, Travis, is there's always something new and wonderful to learn, some more value that you look to add to people. You know, that's my driving force too. How can I be more valuable for this leader, for this salesperson, for this top professional? How do we help them get better? How do we help them add more value to the people they deal with? So that's really the driving force of the whole thing. It's a genius question right there then. How do we know? So let's say that we're out there, we're wanting to connect with our clients and we're wanting to attract clients and, and be able to serve at a much higher level and to be able to provide more value. How do we do that? What are some, maybe some steps, some fundamentals uh, that we can focus on? Yeah, you always ask good questions, Travis. <laughs> so first of all, let's understand a couple of key things. I mean, so much of my work comes from what I call phenomenology. What actually is going on? Not our story about it, but what actually is going on? First order of business, where does value live? Mm. I think I know what's valuable for you, but value lives in your mind. So first of all, I better understand you if I'm going to be effective. So no matter what I think is valuable, it's what you think is valuable that will make the difference in our relationship. Secondly, let's understand something. Most people don't know what's really important and valuable to them. I ask this question to everybody all over the world as part of what I call the three sources of miscommunication. One of those sources is you or, or them. You know? So if we say, what percentage of the time, here's another one of those questions I've asked all over the world and it's astounding when people think about this. What percentage of the time is the first request that somebody gives you exactly what's most important and valuable to them? Very few, I would imagine. Well, around the world, the average comes to 10 to 20%. Wow. That means I know that what's important is what's in your mind. So if I say, what's important to you, Travis, and you tell me something, here's axiomatically what I know. 80 to 90% of the time, that's not it. So if I want to transform our relationship and demonstrate value from the very first moment, the first thing I need to do is help you get in touch with what's really important to you. There's nothing I could do that would serve you better and allow me to serve you at a higher and better level than helping you get clear about what's most important first. Mm -hmm. That's the whole story of the book. How do you do that? Mm -hmm. How do you help somebody really get clear and get off my first major corporate client, the CIO I was talking about, he was looking for a three or four day training. And, you know, this was to transform his world, you know. And I said to him, have you ever had lasting results from a three or four day training? He goes, no. I said, I'd suggest something different. You know, six months of research, I spent an hour and five minutes with him. I was the choice. Oh, by the way, I charge him four times as much as the next close. <laughs> nice. But the value was there. I mean, he got such value out of this. Seven-year relationship speaks to that. Wow. And again, sometimes it's just common sense. You know, one of my other favorite sayings, you know, everybody knows the old 80-20 rule. Mm-hmm. I have a different one, Travis. Mine is, I always try and go to common sense. So my 80-20 rule is this. 80% of success is common sense less than 20% of the people are using it. 
Right. So if we have common sense, common sense says value is the best metric for me and my relationship with you. Common sense says a lot of times what you're asking for is not what you really need. Let me get you what you really need, not just say, oh, yeah, sure, I'll give you that. Mm-hmm. You know, common sense says if I really treat you with love and respect and caring and really help you get clear, we're going to have a long-term relationship with a lot of value in it. That's the true value. Helping through questioning, right? I mean, through real coaching and helping people to identify maybe they don't know what they want. They think they do, yeah. but really we don't know. Less than 10%, like you're saying, around the world right. really knows that right out of the gates. And right. I think that's one of the challenges that so many of us that are in the sales profession or selling or influencing is we get so focused on our own stuff. You know, our programs and our products and this and that and why we've got the best widget and why our widget is better than the next widget. And we get so focused on like selling and talking about all those as opposed to no, 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 it's not about that. It's about getting in the mindset then of the person that you're talking to. Absolutely. Helping them get clear about what would make a difference for them. Mm. Because unless you're really adding value in a significant way to somebody, it's just not that important a relationship. And there's right. no reason we can't add value to virtually everybody we touch. <laughs> By getting in their heads. Tell me, one of the things I love about your brand and what you're building too is the indispensable partner. Yeah. Becoming an indispensable partner. In fact, you've got a book around this and a training program. Right. Right. What is that about? What's that philosophy? So we about? start to ask the question here, what's the highest possible professional relationship? You know, so many people walk around selling their expertise. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the problem is, I may not really understand your expertise well enough to want it, even if I need it. I mean, that's really important for a lot of people to understand. You may be telling me everything I need exactly the way I need it, and I don't appreciate it. That goes on all the time among top-notch professionals and experts. Yeah. I'm telling them everything. I'm giving them gold, and they go, yeah, so what? I had a friend of mine. He said, I had a $40 million opportunity. He's a wealth management guy. This person had $40 million to invest. And he showed him how for an investment of $250,000 a year for three years, he could guarantee them a $5 million return. I said, can I have one of those? Right. You have $40 million and you have $250,000 a year for three years. Okay, I'm out of that. (laughs) But I said, he didn't take the deal. His client didn't, his prospect didn't take the deal. And he said, I have no idea what happened. He said, I know exactly what happened. You did not have the level of trust that he knew you could take care of his most important issues. You're a genius at tax and asset management. You gave him an answer anybody who had those kinds of situations would take, except the guy who's got $40 million has got a lot of people promising him a lot of stuff. Right. And he, all of a sudden he goes, wow, you're right. I didn't, have, I didn't have the connection with him. I didn't have him trusting me because I hadn't added value in the way he wanted it. I was telling him my solution to a great issue that would be good for him before he appreciated that I was there to really contribute value to him. Mm. Man, oh man, that's a big loss, a big, big mistake. Mm-hmm. In, and with no evil intentions whatsoever. So for all of us, the real key issue is it's really about contributing value. But what that does is creates a multiplier. You and I get together we got a multiplier of energy. I mean, I walk away from every one of our conversations more charged up, ready to do more. Yeah. Yeah. From every engagement, you know, not like, Oh my God, that was painful. (laughs) When there's value, you know, when you contribute value, 
it really lifts the world up, but it also multiplies what's possible for each of us. Mm -hmm. That's what we're looking for is a multiplier, not an additive or even a subtractive experience. Mm -hmm. Genius. So, so good. Steve, thank you so much. I mean, for you to be able to, to be raw, right, to share the truth and the, the realities of what you experienced, building a $10 million company, having that vanish, climbing out of the dark hole, being able to focus on the positive versus the negative, focus on what you want, you want versus what you fear, being able to be open to mentorship and to be able to attract those types of people in your life and to be able to turn that around and be able to create the career that you have with the whole ultimate sales revolution and the movement that you've created. Absolute fascinating. So if our guys want to know more about you, if they'd like to learn about your, more about your sales training, about Optimize, or how you might be able to support them, where should they go to be able to learn more information about you? Well, a couple of things. First of all, the website, OptimizeINTL.com. OptimizeINTL.com. Call me. Listen, I'll tell you what, uh, you know, put a call into the office. We'll follow up with you. I mean, we're really responsive. Again, we believe in exemplifying what we do. 978-369-4525. Again, that's 978-369-4525. That's the Boston area. We travel the world. And you know what? In this day and age, you and I have been connected for a long time across the country. Mm. You know, there's so many tools to make a difference. Perfect. Thanks so much, brother. Again, I really appreciate your time and your busy schedule to be here and share with us means the world, brother. Well, listen, Travis, you are one of those forces for uplifting the world. It's always a joy to be here. And if I've made a difference for anybody, that's one of the greatest joys for me. Thanks for listening to Epic Men Radio. Rattling the cage and reigniting the fire. Be sure to share Epic Men Radio with other men in your tribe. So no one will ever miss a single empowering episode. You can find us at epicmen.com. Epicmen.com.